What's up, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Mother Knows Best. So I'm going to let y'all know now this uh, story is a pretty decent sized one. So we're going to break it up into two parts. So this will be actually part one of my time with Aramark and CPS. Yes, girl. She went back to Aramark, honey. Okay. So we left off. Uh, I had just ended with Aramark and Advocate. And I had a few weeks, well, about a week or so time off before the next gig uh, was landed, right? So I started with uh, Aramark CPS slash Hyde Park Hospitality. It was this really weird setup. So here in the city of Chicago, in order for you to work with a public or state slash city entity, you have to have a minority partnership or a minority sector of your business. Aramark, of course, does not have that. Surprise, surprise, ladies and gentlemen, but she doesn't. And so their minority partner here in the city was High Park Hospitality. And High Park Hospitality is who hired me to be a food service manager to work with Aramark and CPS over the food service contract. So I get hired in and I am under a senior food service director named Tiffany. I meet Tiffany July 5th, good old 2015, honey, down at the building, the uh, headquarters building for uh, Aramark CPS. And I get in her car. She's got a nice Cadillac, by the way. But I get in her car and we start, you know, going around to some of the schools. It's summer uh, at this point. So a lot of the schools had just little lunch programs that they were running. So nothing too major, nothing too heavy. And we didn't necessarily get along even in the interview process and definitely didn't get along even working together. But, you know, me going along with what life is supposed to be in corporate America and all that jazz. You know, I know better now, but back then I didn't. And Going along with that, I just was like, you know, it's fine. I can get through this. I can handle it. It's nothing I haven't dealt with before, you know, especially after dealing with Chris at Aramark and Advocate. So we get through most of July, no problem. And then August comes in. And considering school starts in September, late August is when you start doing a lot of your load-in processes. And load-ins are where, because the schools have been closed all summer, they have no food you know, no fruit, no nothing, or any of the things that are required for CPS billable meals. So all of that has to be ordered in and delivered so the schools can operate when they open. So we get through to the end of August and we're doing load-ins and her and I are just rubbing knuckles left and right. It just was a horrible day. It was hot and she was being just a royal bitch and I snapped. I just start going off and told her about herself, you know, not going to go into what I said because it ain't important necessary for the story. But we get through the day and we don't talk like the next day at all. And we then had a like office day where we got to sit down at the main building and kind of go through stuff. We started going through paperwork and we're sitting there and she then lets me know that she's leaving the company that she found another position and in the process of letting me know that she's leaving, she hands me a write-up and it talks about, I have been wearing tight pants and it's unprofessional. 
I said that. Yes. I was written up at a job for wearing quote unquote tight pants, which were unprofessional. Now, when I tell y'all that I had had a hard time even preparing to tell this story to everyone because of that moment, that moment really crushed my self-confidence for years to come because there were two fold issues with everything that was going on. One, I didn't have money. I'm already had just moved to the city, you know, had been through the process of barely making it by the first year traveling, still trying to pay a lot of that off, you know, moving the next car up here and just trying to still establish ourselves now at this, you know, new apartment and everything. It was just a lot. So what pants I had, or what I had. But at the same time, I was also, you know, in my early 20s, I'm 25. I liked my pants a little snug. I liked feeling a little scandalous, you know? So here I am thinking I'm being a bad bitch. And she like, huh, no, you, you need to go get some new pants. Sorry. And really utterly crushed my confidence for a while. I had to go to, you know, a big and tall store to make sure I got pants that were work appropriate for them and they were happy with. And I remember, I still have those pants actually. And I remember still, still even looking at them and just feeling somewhat defeated. So probably after this podcast, we're going to go throw those away. <laughs> Look at board. Um, but, you know, I refused to sign it and we kind of just sat there quietly, finished our work and, you know, departed for that evening. And I remember coming home just being beaten down and, you know, honestly broken and hurt in that moment. And that weekend I went out and got new pants and, you know, by the following Tuesday, I was able to go and get them. And, you know, people were like, Oh my God, those are so much better. And I just remember just standing there like, yay, thank you. (laughs) Um, From there, um, after Tiffany departed, um, probably about about October she left. So the district then had me running it as well as some other food service directors trying to help out. And I told the district manager, Ernie, at the time that I wanted to have full control over the area. I wanted to make this a test to myself to see if I could run the full area like a senior food service director would. And... I stumbled a bit, I won't lie, but luckily I had an amazing staff that, you know, supported me and liked me and enjoyed my management style. So we worked very well with each other. So I had a staff of 20 managers and 178 employees. So she was busy. Okay. Mama was real busy in these streets. All right. And I was managing about an $8.8 million budget and there would be nights, child, that I would be up to about 10, 11 o'clock just checking orders and balancing budgets and looking at invoices and just all the things that they expected us to do on a day-to-day basis, plus doing uh, quality assurance checks. Like It was just absolutely absurd. It's one of the reasons I still don't sleep currently. I'm so used to being up to, you know, until two or three o'clock in the morning doing stuff. And sometimes now my brain, you know, gets its peak ideas around, you know, two in the morning. And 
it's something that happened from this job and it's something I still live with. I haven't necessarily been able to unprogram it. Um, but we'd be up all hours of the night looking at stuff, doing reviews, you name it, whatever it was that we needed to do. And during this time, I was desperate to prove myself at this company. I wanted to move up. I wanted to make a name for myself in the company. I wanted to show people that didn't give me a chance and the people from Advocate that, you know, you let me go and you had a great person on your hands and look what I can do and look what I did and here's my accolades and here's this and here's that. And I was well on my way. Like, I can't lie to you. I was. Um, during that, you know, period of trying to do all that, I came up with some crazy ideas and took on some really extreme challenges and was really proud of myself for them. Um, I became really great friends with the marketing department. Hey, Miss Kaziah, I know you listening here. Um, Robin, if you listen to, hey, ma'am, Michigan. Um, but those two ladies in the marketing department were like my rock. They, if I brought an idea to them and it was one that I had thought out and, you know, it was something that could possibly increase meal participation at the schools, they backed me a thousand percent without question. So one of our craziest adventures were uh, doing a grab and go breakfast program at Curie High School. And it's one of my proudest moments at CPS. I will tell you hands down it is. We took breakfast participation from about 50 students a day to about 400. And that's well over 400% growth. And no one else can hold that high title of that in CPS to the point it got recognition from the client as far as meal participation going up. And she was like, what happened? Why didn't anybody else think about this security? Why did it have to wait until this young man came about to think about this? And the way we did it was we offered hot chocolate and quote unquote hot chocolate, extreme air quotations here. Okay. It was just chocolate milk that was warmed up and then served to the kids because we had to have a milk component, part of the billable meals thing. And because we had that and it, we started in the middle of winter, kids were like coming in and like, oh my God, it's cold outside and we got this hot chocolate. Yes, give me breakfast. A lot of them would eat it. Some of them would literally toss it away and they just really wanted the hot chocolate. But they came through the line and would eat at least something, even if it was just the apple or just the main entree and then toss everything else they got some form of nutrition, right? To the point the principal was a new principal, so I had to sell the idea to her and told her, you know, I pulled all these studies talking about how breakfast increases participation by 30%. And, you know, it's the most important meal of the day for students, especially students in high school, because that gives them the energy for their, you know, mental building and discussion and starting, you know, kind of starting up the engine, if you will. And so sold her on that. And her and I worked together and built this amazing program that, again, the client recognized. And it grew meals for the entire district and the entire organization by about 8%. So I could not have done that without Kaziah and Robin having my back because that required a rebrand that required getting the word out, doing student focus groups, going to some of the uh, student uh, council meetings and working with them and 
really sitting down with the kids and hearing their voice. And that's why it worked, right? We listened to the kids. We listened to what they had to say, both about breakfast and lunch and food items and what they would prefer and things they wanted to see and gave them a voice. You know, we heard them and they saw that we heard them because we implemented change that was obvious. Like we changed the cafeteria colors. We put an overlay on it. We offered more vegetarian items. We brought a salad bar concept to it. We did all of these things because that's exactly what they told us they wanted. And why wouldn't we give them that if that's what these young, you know, these kids are the future. Why wouldn't we listen to them and give them what they're asking for if it's within our means to do it and they feel great about eating at school? Because let's be real, here in the city of Chicago, a lot of these kids, there's a huge homeless population here. So a lot of times that meal that they receive at school, that breakfast and lunch, those are the only two meals a lot of these babies are going to get. So we might as well make sure that it's something that they actually want to eat and are going to be happy about. So we did the breakfast program and, you know, it took off like a rocket. In the time of this breakfast program launching and doing all of these great things, I got slapped in the face by good old corporate America. Surprise, surprise again, y'all. Um, I had been running the show and doing the most for the company, giving my blood, sweat, and tears to it all, right? And they decided to not move me forward to the senior food service director and decided to hire someone else outside of the company. Before I go to this next part, caveat, the person that I that got hired in, I adore this person now. Let me put that and say that now. In the moment of everything that was going on, I despise this man because here's someone who it's a minority company and you hire an older white man. That's slap in the face number one. You then tell me I have to train him and show him how to do the job that I've been doing seamlessly and to then step back and go back into my position as food service manager and take orders from this older white man that has no idea what these schools are, what they do, how they do it. I'll let that sink in for a minute. And I just, I ate that. I sat and just took that shit and and felt like I had no other option. I had no other choice. They clearly thought I wasn't doing a good enough job. They didn't feel I was worthy, whatever it was. And I remember like almost wanting to sabotage this man because I was so angry. And the issue was I was mad at him. And this was none of his fault whatsoever. I was so angry and mad at him and wanting to take him down. But he did nothing wrong. He literally applied for the job, interviewed and got hired. Who I should have been mad at was the people above me that interviewed him and hired him and made that decision, even though I was the one running the show and doing all the things and giving my blood, sweat and tears, was also being mad at myself for, again, giving my blood, sweat and tears, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, so I'm onboarding David. I'm launching a program and literally... 
fighting off depression. Oh, while also joining the Chicago King slash BDSM community. Mama was nuts, y'all. And I, I can't even say nuts. I was literally so hell-bent on succeeding, but also trying to find myself. I was trying to do these two very big, very energy-demanding tasks at the same time. Thus, you know, my uh, reference earlier of burning the candle from both ends. Because it's literally what I was doing. I'm trying to figure out myself and come into my own because I moved to Chicago and I don't have to be under that, you know, stifling ideas of Cincinnati, Ohio anymore. And I can be a slut and I can be this kinky bastard that I always wanted to be while also like, oh, I'm this professional stick up my ass bastard that <laughs> that wants to be a senior food service director and do all these great things for this lovely company that has shit on me now at least three times, you know, tenfold, right? And just kept going forward because that's, again, what I'm thinking I'm supposed to do. Because you really have to understand, I've probably not lived my life as far as now, but prior to most of my life after high school was me living someone else's dream or someone else's expectation of me. I had been told that my only option after school was to go to college. I, I had no other option. If I wanted to be successful in this world, that's exactly what I had to do. So after high school, I went right to college, just right on cue. And that's probably not what I would have done. I would have waited a few years. You know, I've said that before, but I went on through and then right after college, I got my job and it just kept progressing. I just kept, I don't want to say living a lie, but living the expectations of everyone else versus the expectations of me. And so training David and, you know, we now have to do these meetings with our uh, schools. We have to meet with them every morning and on a phone call, ask if they're on menu, if they have everything in-house. If not, we didn't have to run around and figure out how to get them the, the items so they can be on menu. Because if the client goes out and we're not on menu, that's this big old hoopla. So um, David takes over the meetings because I had started them, but he takes them over because again, I have to now step back and let him be the leader of this district as it's intended because he's hired as a senior food service director. The managers were really against the decision and kept coming to me versus going to him. And so then that kind of caused conflict between David and I because I'm like, I'm now at this kind of crossroad where I'm trying to hand over the reins, but the people don't want to hand over the reins. And yet I'm also pissed that I got to hand over the reins. So it's this very conflicted triangle of feelings here. And I got to sit in this man's face and be like, well, you just got to keep trying. <laughs> and I hate to laugh, but it's like, that's literally how I was sitting there. Like, you just got to keep trying, David. Like, you got to win them over. You got to work with them. You got to show them that you know what you're doing. And all the while, I'm just like, would you fail already? But trying to help him not fail. Oh, honey, it was this. Y'all know she crazy. If you didn't know she crazy, now you gonna know. And it was this very weird fight between like my ethical side and my petty side. And a lot of time that war still goes on today. You know, usually my ethical side wins and that's why the petty doesn't go out, but it is what it is. So 
we uh, I'm working with him and trying to tell the team, like, you know, no work with David. David is over your school. He's the person in charge now. You know, go to him, go to him. And they just wouldn't. They they didn't care. They weren't having it. They weren't hearing it and would just keep coming to me. So eventually I would just copy him on email so he would at least know what was going on and was in the loop. So I was still running the show, but basically wasn't being paid for running the show, if that makes any sense. And I'm just like, you know, really sitting there and trying to get to know him and trying to connect with him because I knew it was a problem, you know, that I was mad at him and not mad at everybody else. So, you know, I got to know David, which is now why I love him, because, you know, I got to hear his story and understand, you know, where he was and how he would give me advice because I was very hot headed back then. I mean, I would come into an email conversation, guns blazed. Um, one of my most notable moments, not proud of it by any means, but there was um, this situation over water inside the cafeterias. We had to offer at least water for kids who didn't want milk because milk was a requirement. So they had to at least take it. But if they didn't want to drink it, we needed to have an alternative, which was water. So there were supposed to be these cone cups that were paper that the kids could come and get the water from. But they didn't care for them because you couldn't really get a lot of water. So we were transitioning over to these flat cups so the kids could have you know, sit it on their table or sit it on their tray and have water. The executive director of culinary is telling everybody, oh, the cups are in, they're here, da-da-da-da-da. Cups were nowhere to be found. I'm reaching out to our vendor. I have a school visit coming up with, you know, the client. And I'm like, where are these cups? We need these cups. They're like, we don't have them in. There's never even been anything sent to us to order them. Like, we don't have them. So I send that over to um, everybody and their mother, because again, I'm hot-headed. And the client's like, well, where, where are the cups? What's going on? The director, the executive director of Culinary, in an email was like, Brandon's a liar. I don't know what he's talking about. The cups are in stock. They just need to go get them. So I fire back. Again, I'm in the car when this email comes through. I'm on Lakeshore Drive, honey. I pull off a Lakeshore Drive and go over into my phone and I get the typing. <laughs> and I'm on the phone with David and he's like, Brandon, no. And I'm just like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> and I send this email to uh, Greg, who was like the, the procurement person, the person procuring all of our items. Greg being the honest soul that he is, is like, Brandon, no, we've discussed this. The cups aren't in yet. They're on back order. We're trying to get them in. As soon as they're in, they'll be getting shipped out. I took that email and sent it back to everybody and their mother who had just called me a liar and email and shut the shit down. Like, oh, per Greg's email, I am not a liar. Here is what is actually going on. You all have been lied to. When I tell you the executive director was walked out two days later girl <laughs> again not my proudest moment but i'm i'm a, a deadly bitch if if you mess with her like i don't try to go there that's that side we try to keep locked up but if you rattle that door and poke the bear enough 
and that one come out to play, she ain't no fun lady. And I had to let them all know who the hell I was. I really didn't. I was just her child. But, you know, in that moment, I thought I needed to let them know who the hell I was and stay on my ground. And I, I'm telling you, I would get in trouble left and right. And Mark, who hired me as the CEO of High Park Hospitality, that man, I know, probably hated to fire me, but was at the same time relieved to have my ass gone in 2017. <laughs> Because, child, I was hell on wheels back then. I cannot lie to you. I had a chip on my shoulder. I thought I was privileged. I didn't think my black skin color mattered in any way, shape, or form. And, damn it, I did everything the system told me to do, and you owe me. <laughs> and, child, out again, she had a chip on her shoulder. But, anyway, I digress. So, um... We're getting David acclimated. We have the launch. And, you know, I'm still running the show, not being paid for it. And we're coming up on um, reviews. And there's this big issue and hurdle and fight of David has not been there long enough. How he can he give an accurate review? He doesn't know any of the staff. Like, you know, the managers have valid points. You know, how can he do my review? And he's been here a couple of months. And most of the year I've been working with you. So now, again, we I just told you how many staff members I had, right? In total, 178. So part of this time frame, I'm also planning a vacation, a cruise, because I need to go and unwind. I am so tightly wound up like a rubber band. I'm like, I'm going to snap. I need to step away. Like, this is why I'm snapping now and going off on people in these emails and somebody just got fired. Like, I am stressed. I need to go away. So trying to plan a cruise. And do 178 evaluations that are due the day I am supposed to fly out to California for my cruise. I was up to about two in the morning finishing evaluations, then packed, slept for a few hours, and then walked to the train station to go to the airport for my vacation. That's how dedicated and how burnt and, you know, set that I had to do all of these things and move mountains for this job because that's how you succeed, right? So go on my cruise, even while on my cruise um, to Mexico, I'm messaging, I'm responding to emails. We had set up a situation with AT&T, our cell phone provider, that we would have coverage in Mexico. And it was just sale coverage. They didn't say, you know, they didn't mention data and I didn't necessarily notice that they didn't mention data either. But me sending emails, I mean, racked our bill up to, I want to say it was like $1,500 when we got that bill. I got it down. I got a lot of the charges removed, but it was astronomical because I'm literally in the middle of Mexico sending emails and handling things that I shouldn't even be dealing with while on a vacation. But the expectation was I stayed connected and I was the one who had all the information because, you know, David had still, you know, just recently taken over after his training and he just didn't have everything that I had because I had been running the show. So I'm sending stuff and, you know, not even able to enjoy my vacation. So 
get through the rest of the vacation and come back still exhausted, still, you know, not rejuvenated or recharged by any means necessary and go right back into the swing of things and finishing up, you know, stuff for the year, getting ready for, you know, uh, holiday season and getting ready for, you know, the next year. It was just a mess. And CPS decides to get rid of David. Again, so now we're back in the same boat, right? Y'all didn't promote me. Y'all now want to get rid of him. Y'all don't feel he's doing a good enough job. He's not managing it well enough to y'all, you know, expectations. And now you're like, oh, we're going to get rid of him and it's coming back to you, even though it's been mine the whole entire time. So they stupidly send the email to him that they're going to fire him and then try to backtrack. So he's upset. I'm talking him down, even though I knew about a week or so before they were going to fire him because I had to get prepared to take all this shit over again. And it was just this whirlwind of hell of, you know, from being written up over pants, <laughs> taking over, training this older white man to take the job I've been doing to still running the show to now him being fired and they're like, you got to take it back over again. <laughs> like It was this yo-yo effect and I felt like such a fucking rag doll and it just didn't end. So they went ahead and let David go. And then again, I'm thinking, you know, oh, I'll be promoted this time. Nope. CPS decides to like, oh, we're going to change models. So they changed districts and all of the larger districts went to the senior food service director, they promoted another uh, one of our food service directors up to senior food service director, took my entire area away from me and then moved me to the south side of the city with like without question. And that's where we will leave for right now for part one. And then we will go into the rest of the story into part two. So again, I thank you all for listening and coming along for this crazy journey that is my life and this professional world and me going down the road of depression. The whole purpose of all this again is that if one person hears this, they can see where I went wrong and navigate this a lot better than I did. So with that, I love you all and I will see you next week for our next episode. Mm -hmm.